This uh, seems like kind of a dumb question to ask at this point in our history, but how many of us are on Instagram? I think probably everybody. I really want to know. It's a question. Thank you. Okay, cool. Well, I'll be honest. Yeah, when I ask a question and I'm raising my hand, it's kind of a sign. You should you know, join me in that. So I, I'll be honest. I actually still love Instagram. I know it's kind of old. It's been around for a while. But out of all the social media platforms, it's the only one I can look at regularly without feeling like, you know, the world is ending. Like, it's kind of enjoyable. And I also don't hate, actually, this is weird to say, I don't hate the advancement in algorithms. Like, I know a lot of people think it freaks them out, but I actually like it because Instagram knows me. I get to see the best. I get to see the best of all kinds of things. And Instagram knows what I want to see. I get to see the best of all the weightlifting clips, all the super strong guys lifting a lot of weight. I get to see the best woodworking hacks, like guys that can build things so much better than me. I get to see the best health and fitness, longevity stuff. I like a lot of that stuff. I get to see really cool saunas. Instagram knows I want a sauna real bad, and Instagram knows that. I get to see good sermon clips that I can steal sometime down the road. I, it really, really helps me out. Uh, but I know you've experienced this as well. What, what happens most of the times is I end up realizing things. I, I, I end up realizing I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to have a body like that again. I never had one like that. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I, I can never build something that nice. Uh, even though I want a sauna like this, uh, I know I can only afford a sauna like this. I mean, Instagram does know me. <laughs> it, it knows what I can afford and what I can't afford. And I'll never be able to go on the vacations that you guys go on. I'll never have a house. Like, I'll never drive the Ram that I want to drive, a 1500 TRX, in case you're wondering, for the future. I'll never drive that. And so what do I do? I, I do what you guys do. I just quit. I, I just quit Instagram. Like, I'm done with it, right? But then I realized, wait a second. <laughs> I'm not a quitter. I don't quit things. Plus, if I quit now, how am I going to show you guys how awesome my life is? And so, you know, then I get back on Instagram. I'm right back on it again. And I'll tell you what, I'm actually a pretty good photographer. I don't know if you know that. But, so I'll just take better photos than you guys do. So I'll just do that. I can build some pretty cool things, and I can build better things than I think most of you. I know there's a guy over there who can build better things than me, but most of you can't build better things than me. So I'll just show you those better things that I can build. I can bench more than some people, but I, can, I, I can't bench more than some people, but I can definitely squat and deadlift more than some people. I, I know that I can do How did that get up there? I, guys, come on. I mean, seriously. Seriously. So I'm just going to make Instagram the highlight reel of my life so I can show you guys how lame your life is. Like, that's what I'm going to do. It's truly, though, all joking aside, Instagram, Facebook, social media as a whole, it, it, it actually has some benefits. And our on-again, off-again relationship, it really does point something out to us that is really beneficial. It's a constant reminder to all of us that really there is no win in comparison Comparison leads us to, to something. It, it leads us, actually it leads us to the emotion that we're going to hit on today. And we'll come back to that in just a second. But I bring all that up just to say, hey, we're in week three of our series, You're Not the Boss of Me. And as a reminder, if you haven't seen the first two weeks, I always challenge you to go catch up. You can catch up on the app or online or on YouTube. But these messages do kind of build on top of each other. It's going to help you give you context for where we're going for the rest of it. But really the, the subtitle of our series does a great job of helping us know what we're trying to learn in this series. Our subtitle is this, how to say no. It's kind of a how-to series. We're trying to learn some stuff. How to say no to the emotions that compete for control. You see, all of us, we, we have emotions. We have one or two emotions that are constantly competing for control. Uh, more directly, they're, they're competing for control of our actions. Uh, even more specific than that, they're constantly competing and striving and grabbing and, and wanting control of what comes out of our mouths. My mouth, I think maybe your mouth, they're constantly getting us into trouble. 
And that's because we're letting these emotions take control of us. We're letting these emotions be the boss of us. And, and Jesus said it best, and Matthew actually recorded it in his gospel. He said it this way. Jesus said this. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth, and if you remember back from week one, you can go check that out. He, he's kind of inferring accidentally, like if you just accidentally eat something, that it goes into the stomach and then out of the body, which every week we, we've said, yeah, we, we've got a clear picture of what that's like. We understand. And then he goes on. But the things that come out of a person's mouth, the things that we say, the, the things we say to our friends and to our family, these come from inside of us. They come from our heart. And these are actually the things that defile them. Not accidentally eating something because that's just going to pass right through. That means nothing but what comes out. These are the things that put us at odds with God. And they put us at odds with God because ultimately they put us at odds with people, people that God loves. And he goes on, he says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. Again, he's kind of equating our heart with our thoughts. He says, from out of the heart come evil thoughts of murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false testimony and slander. These, these are the things that actually defile a person. Our actions and, and really even more so our words, it, they reflect the condition of our heart. It, it comes out of us because it's already in us. We find ourselves saying things like, I didn't mean that. I, I never meant to do that. I don't even know where that came from. And as we said last week, well, we do now, right? We do now. We can no longer use that excuse because we're in week three of this thing. Uh, if you've been here for all three weeks, you, you've sat through an hour and a half of talking about I've, I'm probably 60 hours in to preparing for this series and preparing for messages. And I see it everywhere I look. I see it in the kind of the snide comments from frustrated coworkers. I see it in joking comments from my friends. I see it in the sarcastic kickbacks from my wife in conversation. And now I'm just so stinking aware of what's really going on. I know they said that as a joke. I know they just kind of threw that in as we, in a conversation, but there's, there's just enough truth there. There's just enough truth in that that I should really begin to pay attention. I see it. I bet you see it as well. But most of us, most of all, for me too, I see it in myself. I see how often, I see how often I can let my emotions just grab control again, even if just for a second. Really, even if just for a thought, if I, even if I don't let it out. But long enough to remind me that they're still in me. They're still in me, and they still want to grab control. They still want to fight for control over what I say and what I do. And so they need to be dealt with. And so let's continue to deal with them. Last week... We focused our attention on guilt, and hopefully it was helpful for some of you. I did hear some really cool things back from last week. But this week, this week I don't love, I don't love this week's topic. I don't love it because this is actually a big one for me. I don't love this one because this kind of emotion, it's really more of a silent killer, if you will. It's really, really tough to spot in other people unless you, unless you know they struggle with it. It's really hard to see in them. It's really hard to see in yourself because you don't want to believe it to be true. Like you're going to fight against the thought that this is actually what's going on inside of you when it stirs up. I don't love it because in just a little bit I'm going to tell you a story about how this emotion has impacted my life. And it might make me cry and I don't like to cry. I don't like to cry. I like to laugh. That's what I like to do. But today, today we're going to talk about envy. We're going to talk about envy. And I ran across a definition I wanted to share and mostly wanted to share this definition because when I hear the word envy, one of my first thoughts, maybe like yours, is I hear, I think, jealousy. And certainly there's a lot tied in those two. They're, they're kind of synonymous in a lot of ways. But there's an element to envy that makes it so much more destructive, 
so much darker than just simple jealousy. And this, this definition really spelled it out well for me. It says this, envy is an emotion in which occurs when a person's lack of another's quality, skills, achievement, or possessions, and, and they either desire it, that's the jealousy part, or, or they wish that the other lacked it. This definition is, is, is bringing out the truth about envy for us, the fact that we don't just want to have what they have. We don't want to just be what they would be, what they are, but we would find just as much joy if they lost it. That's, that's why envy is so dark. That's why envy is so destructive. And Solomon, King Solomon, we talked about him a little bit last week. You remember him? He's king of Israel, lived long, way, way, way before Jesus. Solomon's the one who said, guard your heart for from it. All the things flow. Uh, he had this to say. He didn't really hold anything back in talking about envy. He says this, envy rots the bones. In other words, when, when we're envious and we're focused on what someone else has and what someone else has achieved or how cool their car is or how nice their house is, Solomon says, don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. Sure, it might seem outward in its focus, but the consequences are inside. It rots the bones from the inside. And here's really what I believe to be the most ridiculous thing about envy. It, this is the thing that really was the most ridiculous thing about envy for me, is envy leaves us in competition with people. It leaves us in competition with people who don't even realize there's a competition. <laughs> like you're competing with people who don't even know they're in a competition, and that's a huge part of my story, and through this competition, it either leaves us arrogant because we're always winning, or it leaves us discouraged and defeated because we're not. There is no upside. There is no upside to envy. It'll either make you a terrible friend, it'll make you a terrible brother-in-law, sister-in-law, husband, spouse, it'll make you terrible at your relationships. And so here's kind of the big takeaway. I'm going to give it to you early in case you have to leave. Here's a big takeaway, the bottom line for today. This is how we're going to make faith practical for you. Like you heard Ronnie talk about earlier, this is what I, I want you to do uh, with this whole envy thing. Here, here's a big takeaway. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop it, right? Like, that would be the easiest thing in the world. If only it was that easy. But, but here's one of the biggest issues with envy and why, why this is the biggest struggle for me and why I struggled with this sermon because I, I want it to be helpful, but... I, I can't do enough to, to eradicate it for you. Envy, envy is not a problem to be solved. Envy is simply attention to manage. It's not going anywhere for you. It's not going anywhere. It's not, I'm not going to say anything today that's going to make you so good at fighting envy that one day you're not going to deal with it and it's going to be gone. Because you're human and I'm human. We're fallen. We're sinful. We're broken. And it's just in our nature. It's in our nature to determine how we're doing based on how we see other people doing. It's in our nature to determine our own self-esteem, how we feel about ourselves and our self-work by stacking you up against other people and how they're doing and how they're looking and how good they are. It's in there. It's not going anywhere. But here's the beautiful thing, what I hope to get to today. It doesn't have to control us. It doesn't have to steal our joy. It doesn't have to drive us. It doesn't have to be the boss of us. And thankfully, Solomon... What we're going to look at in a little bit, Solomon gives us some handles. He gives us something that we can grab hold of, uh, something that we can actually do, a place where we can go mentally when we begin to lean towards or head towards envy and discontentment, both emotionally and in our lives. Uh, he gives us this word picture, uh, a word picture that we can use to help 
regain our balance. If you remember back from last week, these emotions are letting these emotions take control of us. It sets us off balance. It sets us off balance in our guilt. We, we parent out of guilt or we don't parent well because we're guilty. Or it, we we, parent, we uh, are off balance in our fear. We're constantly fearful. We're off balance in our lust and our anger. And, and, and it's my hope that as a result of our time together that this phrase, this word picture we're going to use, that it would become so ingrained in you, so much a part of who you are and in your mind, that, that when you're tempted to allow emotions to take control, that you remember and say, ah, <laughs> Envy, I see you. I see you and I caught you and not today. Not today. You're not, you're not going to be the boss of me. And this is what Solomon has to tell us. We read about it in Ecclesiastes. He says this. He starts out this way. I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. And so this is King Solomon. He's got all this perspective. If you know anything about his story, he was actually considered to be one of the wisest people to ever live, especially at that time. Uh, he, he's got all this wealth. He can go anywhere. He can do anything. He's been there, done that. And he says, here's what I've observed, that for the most part, and this is kind of hyperbole, it's kind of an exaggeration, if you will, but this is his idea. For the most part, he says, as I've observed people, everybody is competing with everybody else. And everybody is determining how successful they are by measuring themselves against how everybody else is successful. See, this was going on 3,000 years ago plus. It's just human. It's just who we are. They're determining where they are based on where everybody else is. Does it sound familiar to you? But he goes on, and I love this. He says, this too is meaningless. This too is meaningless. Then he gives this word picture. The word picture that we're going to camp out on today, the one I pray that you would grab hold of and memorize and make part of your daily mantra, if you will, to, to help you fight against envy. So that, so that when you begin to have this internal or imaginary conversation with other people, do you ever do that? Do you ever have those conversations with people? I do. And I always win. I am just, <laughs> when you walk away and you're like, I should have said that. Dring it. Anyway, when you begin to have those conversations with yourself, that, that you can come back, you can look at this phrase, you can use it as a way to push envy aside. He says this. I saw that all toil and achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This, too, is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. It's a chasing after the wind. It's endless. It's endless. You keep chasing and chasing, and there's no finish line. There's never contentment because there's always an er, right? His is newer. Hers is nicer. Theirs is faster. Her kids are smarter. He's just better. He's just better, and he's always going to be better. He's always been better. He's always going to be better. There's always an urge just chasing after the wind. And so if envy becomes the boss of you, the chasing never ends. There's never any satisfaction. There's never any contentment in any situation. Or or as we're going to see, there's never any contentment or, or satisfaction, even in the simplest of a relationships. Envy steals joy. It steals joy from our accomplishments because somebody else has always, always accomplished more. When you catch yourself, when you catch yourself kind of drifting into that lane, into that, that thought process, just tell envy, hey, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. That, that's just chasing the wind. And I don't chase the wind. That's just chasing the wind and I don't chase the wind. That's wasted 
energy that's a waste of time. I will not waste my time chasing the wind. But I don't want to be super clear about something here. Like, this isn't an invitation to passivity. It, like I said, if you know anything about Solomon, Solomon accomplished more in his lifetime than anybody else that had ever existed at that point. He's not trying to do less. He's not trying to accomplish less. In fact, he tells us that when he goes on, he says, fools fold their hands and ruin their lives. He's just describing this idea of a type of person. We all know these kind of people, I think, where they say things, well, if I can't win, I'm not even, what's the point? Like, if I'm not going to be the best, I'm just going to sit back, and I'm going to fold my arms, and I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to ruin my life. If I can't win, what's the point? Then he brings kind of these two extremes together, this, this working so hard or the not working at all kind of idea. On one hand, you just fold your arms and do nothing, and on the other, don't stress yourself out trying to be someone or something that you're never going to be. He says this, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to have one handful of what you were designed to do and what you were created for than to have two handfuls when one of them, when by gaining that other handful, it's causing so much stress and toil and trying to keep up with someone that you're never going to keep up with. He says at the end of the day, tranquility, even if you have left less, is, is far better than having more and losing peace. Losing your tra tranquility and losing your sense of self and ultimately, ultimately losing yourself. Tranquility is a word we don't really use. I, I don't use it that often. But it's a word that just simply means satisfaction or contentment or joy or peace. It's going home in the afternoon and saying, hey, I did my, I did my best. I really gave it all that I had today, and that's, that's good enough for me. I feel really good about it. It's laying in bed at night knowing that you have peace because you're not stressed out trying to be somebody that you can't be, trying to accomplish things that maybe you were never created or designed to accomplish in the first place. But continuing to chase, continuing to chase leaves us wanting more. It will always leave us wanting more. It's an appetite that cannot be satisfied. It's chasing after the wind. His point is really simply this. Less is more when it actually leads to contentment. The result is peace. Better one handful with tranquility than grasping and striving and pretending and editing and cropping and retaking. This is why so many of us have even gotten off social media in the first place. You, you eventually just found yourself thinking all the time, you know, I'm a loser, 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 I'm a loser. Like, so eventually you're just like, what, what's the point? This, all this does is it stirs up discontentment in me. Here, here's a challenge for all of us. Here's a challenge. If there's anything in your life, Anything in your life, if it's something you're watching on TV, a show, uh, a magazine, if it's social media that stirs up discontentment in you, that stirs up envy in you, just remove it out of your life. You have the power to do that. This is extremely important for all of us, but I, I, I think even more so important for the next gen. Like, there's so much about your life that, that you have power over. And at, at any point, I'm not here to demonize anything. 
Like, I, I'm not trying to tell you you should drop everything and stop doing anything that you're doing necessarily, other than the fact that you should know that if there's anything that you're doing, whether it's what you're watching or, or your social media feeds or whatever, that's causing you to feel less than, not as good as, not as pretty as, you don't have as much stuff as, not as good of an athlete as, you have the power to change that. You don't have to feel that way. Imagine what it would feel like to not feel that way and just use that power and drive it out of your life. I'm just telling you, there is no amount of positive that can tip the scales enough to outweigh the negative of feeling discontent. Solomon's not done, though. I love it. And he, he continues on. He says this. Let me tell you something else I've seen. He says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun, and under the sun for Solomon was really just his way of saying in the world around him what, what he actually could see, what he knew. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, and that's only a big deal because in his context, uh, women could not inherit anything. And so he, all he's really saying in that statement is he had nobody to give all this stuff to. Like he's working for all this stuff, but he has nobody to give it to when he's gone. He said there's no end to his toil, yet his eyes we're not content with all of his wealth. He finally stopped and asked a question. He finally stopped and asked a question that, that if you're a driven person like me, I, I, I like to grind and push and I like to see results and, and, and I like to work hard for things. And if, and if you have any of that in you, then this would resonate with you as well. We, we should stop and, and ask this question from time to time. And it's a simple one. For whom am I toiling? <laughs> Why am I doing this? What am I even really trying to prove? Do you, have you ever asked yourself that question? And to who am I trying to prove it to? For the dads in the room, that's who I can relate to the best, obviously. I, I think an answer that we say all the time, or we've heard all the time, is well, I strive and I toil and I push for my family. And I just ask you, really? <laughs> because I've worked pretty hard at different points in my life, and I've, I've given too much time to work at different points in my life, and not a single time have my kids and my wife stood at the doorstep and cheered me on. Let's go, Dad. Go do it. Go get it for me. That's never happened. And so you got to ask the question, who are you really doing this for? Are you internally competing with somebody? Is there a person that, you, that doesn't even know you exist, right, that you're competing against? And in this competing, are you working and striving and actually alienating and, and distancing yourself from the people you say you're, you're doing all of this work for? This happens all the time. You know these kind of people. For some of you, there's a, a specific name. There's a face in your mind right now. Some of you are competing with your father. Some of you are competing with your mother or your sister or your brother. You're competing for their approval. I don't want to get... Too emotional here, but some of you are competing or seeking approval from a deceased father or mother. And so you're pushing and you're competing and you're striving and you're toiling and you're working to gain approval from somebody who can never give you that approval. And in doing so, you've given up one handful with tranquility and opted for two handfuls chasing after the wind. For whom am I toiling? And it goes on, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? He couldn't even stop and enjoy what he had. He didn't know why. Maybe you don't ever stop and enjoy what you have. 
And he finishes up. I love this. This too, the second thing I've noticed, this too is meaningless. A miserable business. You'll check all the boxes. You'll check all the boxes every single day. You'll achieve all the things you tried to achieve. All your goals will be laid out before you and you can say, yes, I, I did all that. You'll, you'll achieve all the success. You'll have all the money. You'll win all the awards and you'll end up miserable. And you won't even know why. And you won't know why because you haven't identified that there's something else driving you. There's something else pushing you. If you're not a religious person, if you just showed up today trying to figure out if this was even worth coming to again, if you don't think the Bible has much for you, man, there's, there's a lot in here that I hope is really helpful for you. I'll tell you this, you'll never be what you were born to be. You'll never be all that you have the potential to be as long as you're constantly looking over your shoulder at what everyone else is. But, but if you are a follower of Jesus, this becomes even more serious for you. You hear us say it all the time. We want to help you become everything that God has created you to be here at Relevant. But you'll never experience all that you were created to be. You'll never walk in the fullness of the gifting that God has uniquely gifted you with. You'll never experience God's purpose for your life while being distracted by God's purpose for someone else's. You'll never experience God's purpose for your life while being distracted by God's purpose for somebody else. All right, here's story time. Let me get my chair. So I had this, had this friend. A lot of you know this friend. I don't know. I was going to change the name to protect the innocent, but it's more a story about me than it is about him. So his name's Tyler. His name's Tyler. And Tyler has been one of my best friends for, oh, man, it's got to be 19 years, 18 years. Tyler and I, I got to give you a little bit of backstory so you understand the depth of the story. Tyler and I, uh, we were friends. He was a worship leader somewhere else, and we got to know each other, and I, I would go lead worship with him sometimes. And um, eventually, Tyler and I became business partners. Um, and so Tyler and I both were photographers. Um, I kind of taught him a little bit about how to be. He, he knew somebody. I taught him some photography. I taught him some video stuff. But eventually, Tyler and I, our lives were completely intertwined. I mean, we were business partners. Uh, eventually, I came, he, was, he was working here at Relevant as the worship leader at the time, and I, I came over and joined him, and we kind of shared that role. Uh, we we, we kind of took a salary, split it between ourselves, and we did the work together, and uh, we were business partners. And so every day of our lives were like this, right? Well, Tyler and I have a lot of the same skills. Uh, Tyler and I both are musicians. Tyler and I both love, on some level, woodworking and construction type of stuff. We love that. Uh, we were both photographers. We were both videographers. Um, I, it just goes on and on and on. Both golfers, <laughs> whatever. Like, if you think about it, we, we kind of had both of them. The problem is, Tyler is better than me at all of them. <laughs> I mean, like, like not, I'm not just being, like, humble. Like, he literally is better than me at all of them. It's so, like, everything Tyler touches turns to gold, and it pisses me off. <laughs> but here's the deal. What, what, People didn't realize, my friends around me and people that, you know, I respect and love, they didn't realize that the envy had built up in my heart, that I had just gotten to the point where, like, uh, the, the whole line about being in a competition with somebody who doesn't know that they're in a competition, that was my life. Everything I did, I wanted to be better than Tyler. And I wanted people to tell me I was better than Tyler. 
And nobody did because I'm not better than Tyler. So I was looking for something I was never going to get. But what I would get from people from time to time, and, this, and, and well-meaning, right? Like they wanted to build me up. They, want, they wanted to pour into me, and they wanted to acknowledge my gifting. They would tell me things about myself. They, they'd say, oh, man, you know, Tyler, and this is a direct quote from a good friend of mine. <sighs> man, he blows you out of the water when it comes to leading worship. And I, I'm fine with the laughter because you, you couldn't know. You couldn't know that there has been nothing that has done more damage to me than that statement. Because all I ever was was a worship leader. Until I started this job right now about two years ago, all I ever was was a worship leader. I've been that since I was 18 years old. And in saying that, they were trying to build me up in another area. They were trying to tell me how good I was at something that Tyler wasn't so good at. But that meant nothing to me. It meant nothing to me. Because all I ever wanted to be was better than Tyler. And so Tyler, this is where the, the darkness of envy comes in. Tyler went through a rough, he went through a rough spell in his life. There was a, a season that, that things were really rough for him. And for a moment, for a moment all I could ever think was, at least I didn't have that happen to me. I may not be as good as Tyler, but that didn't happen to me. And I, I would never say that I wish that on him. I, I would never say that I, I wanted that for him or that I even found joy in it. But what I found joy in for a moment was that at least it didn't happen to me. And that's gross. It's disgusting. And I hate it. And that was over a decade ago, and I can't stop thinking about it. I think about it all the time. You see, Tyler and I, like I said, it's been about a decade since we split ways business-wise, and it, wasn't, it was a great split. I, I came on full-time here. He took over the business. Everything was great. It, it's been about a decade since we worked full-time together. It's been many years since Tyler and I have even lived in the same city. And thankfully, after many years of, of struggling with this, and I, obviously I can't lie to you based on the emotion. I can't say, like, it's completely gone. But I've figured out. i figured out that God has actually uniquely gifted me for some stuff. That God actually has a lane for me to run in. That he has a lane for me to run in and he has a lane for Tyler to run in. Here's the crazy thing. They're not even on the same track. They're not even on the same track. So I'm fighting and I'm striving and I'm pushing to try and beat Tyler at something that I'm never going to beat him at because we're not even on the same track. This has been so freeing for me. This has been so freeing. And, and I, I, the emotion that you see here, it, it's because I don't talk about it much. I don't think about it much. It's not something I think about every day. But there's been so much work that's happened. I'm so much more free to, to push hard and to work hard with contentment because I know I'm running my own race. It feels ridiculous to say that there are times when, when this competition will still spring up for me. That, that I actually still want somebody to tell me I'm better than him. That it's, it's all still in there. That I would love it if Tyler called me later today and said, hey, I watched your message. That's better than I could do. You can... <laughs> But all of that, all of that is chasing the wind. That's chasing the wind. Just put it into perspective, Tyler doesn't know he's competing. Tyler just thinks we're really close friends and have been. 
He, he, he lives five hours away. He doesn't care if we're competing. It's just chasing the wind. And I want to put that whole verse together that I started with earlier that, that Solomon said for us in Proverbs. He says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy, it rots the bones. You cannot compare or compete your way to peace. Here's the big takeaway. You can't win chasing the wind. God has given you a race to run. Get in your lane. Stay in your lane. Thrive in your lane. Ultimately, transform and change somebody's life from your lane. Look to others for inspiration. Strive for inspiration from them, but not imitation. Listen to your podcast. I'm a big podcast guy. Follow David Goggins if you want to. I don't see why you would. Or Jocko Willink or some other Navy SEAL you want to follow. And Use somebody else's story for inspiration to push you and to help you be better at whatever it is you're trying to be better at, but not imitation. I, I love this quote from a guy named Jordan Peterson, if you know who he is. He says this, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who somebody else is today. Don't miss what life has for you, what God has in store for you. You'll never experience life to the full until you decide to fully embrace the life in front of you, your life in front of you. And when you begin to drift, because, again, it's in there. When you begin to drift and you allow your emotions to get the best of you, when you're tempted to compare, let's stop and declare. Big on the rhyming. Envy. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. Let me ask you this question. Is it, is it possible that envy has become or been the boss of you? Let me flip it to this. Let me ask it this way. In what areas of your life do you find yourself chasing the wind? It's not always work. We talk about work all the time. But for some of you, it's parenting. For some of you, it's momming, Right? You see all the posts of the, of the mom with the wide brim hat and the shacket and the, the like, what is it, pumpkin spice latte? <laughs> Pushing her kids through Valley. She paid $1,000 for a $2 pumpkin, you know? <laughs> right? And you're lucky if you make it in Walmart in time before the, all, the, or all the pumpkins are destroyed. Like, oh, just turn it. Just turn it. You, this side's good. It's just, <laughs> like, maybe it's momming for you, right? Maybe it's fitness, or I don't know what it is. It doesn't have to be work. Where, where do you find yourself chasing the wind? What is it for you? Don't chase the wind. Don't chase the wind. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. And if we do what's meaningless for too long, if we continue to chase the wind and do what's meaningless for too long, in the end, our, our life, the life that God gave you, the lane that you're to run in, It'll just lack meaning. And I, all this is so hard to do. It, it, it's so hard for us to do and, and, and to get right for those of us that are following Jesus. But i got to be honest with you. I, if you've yet to decide to, to make Jesus the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, I, I just have fear for you. I, I have fear for you that just on your own merit, just by striving and working harder on your own, that, that you have enough to push envy aside, to push these emotions aside and not allow them to take control of you. 
And so this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the boss of you instead of envy. To make Jesus the one who, who helps push you and, and, and help you become more of who he created you to be. To help you run in your lane. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer. You can repeat the lines after me in your mind. And you can say them however you want to say them. But this is your opportunity. This is the opportunity to make Jesus the boss of you. Let me pray for us. Just say something like this. Say, Jesus, I confess. I confess my need for you. And Jesus, I declare, I declare my trust. I declare my trust that you are the only one that can save. And this is for everybody, follower of Jesus or not. Just repeat this in your mind. Just this is a reminder of what you've done in the past. Say, Jesus, would you be the forgiver of my sins? Would you be the leader of my life? God, I thank you so much for all that you've done. I thank you for the way that you've worked. God, I pray that you would continue to work in my own heart as everybody here can see there's work to be done. And so, God, would you move in me? Would you move in our church? Allow us to know how to follow you better and how to live more like you and for you. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.